Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Vibrant Church, how we doing? Sunday morning, y'all glad to be in the house of God today? Come on, let me hear from you. That's awesome. Glad you're here today. Let's give it up one more time for all of our first-time guests. Come on, give it up. Give it up. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. My name is Michael. My wife, Carmen, and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastor. And we're so glad that you made church part of your Sunday today. We are real people with a real passion to live vibrant life in Jesus, and that is the banner that we run under and that we run towards. Uh, amen. Uh, as always, I want to take a moment to just look directly into the camera, and I want to welcome our online family in. Whether you're watching with your family, by yourself, or with a watch party, I just want to welcome you in. Thank you for making church part of your Sunday. We're honored that you chose to be with us. You have a family that loves you, that prays for you, that cares about you, and uh, we're just glad that you made church part of your day. Let's welcome our online family in. Come on, let's do it. Today is going to be something special, and I am super excited about it. It's going to be awesome. But before we get there, i got a few things I want to tell you about. Number one, um, coming up very soon is Good Friday. It's the Friday right before Easter, the Friday right before Easter Sunday. And we're doing something very unique and something very special for our church. Okay, Instead of doing an in-person service for Good Friday, what we're actually doing is pre-filming a service um, that we will you'll view online. But here's the catch. I don't want you to view, I don't want you to partake in the Good Friday service alone. Here's what we want you to do. It'll be Friday night at Good Friday at 6 p.m., but we want you to host a dinner party, okay? Now, I know some of y'all just like freaked out. There's two different groups here. The first group, you just freaked out because you're like, no, I'm not having anybody at my house, right? That's just not happening. And then the other people, some of y'all just got excited. You're just like, I get to have people over? Yes. Like, okay, you two need to connect, okay? Because, all right, just figure it out. You need to, if you like to host people, you need to reach out to every person that you see that needs a place to go and make sure that you have people at your house, that Good Friday service uh, at 6 p.m. Uh, we're going to be taking communion together, okay? So uh, you have some bread and some uh, grape juice, or if you want communion cups, we can give you those. And uh, so we will supply everything that you need for that. But I want you to host a dinner party where you're breaking bread with people and connecting with people. Community is the banner. It's a, a pillar of our church, right? And so that's that we're bringing this into Good Friday, all right? So uh, make sure right now, make plans that Good Friday, 6 p.m., uh, that you're either going to have somebody at your house or you're going to be at somebody else's house, okay? And if you need somebody, if you don't know, if you're nervous about reaching out to somebody and you need somewhere to go or you want to host somebody, reach out to any of our team members and we will connect you, okay? We'll connect you and help you there. If you're online, and you want to connect with somebody, uh, just post right now in the comments and uh, our, one of our hosts will connect with you with that. And then finally, Easter Sunday. Y'all excited about Easter? It's going to be awesome. 
It's going to be a wonderful time. Um, we are going to be hosting three services on Easter Sunday, making room for everybody to get in the building, making sure, I mean, I look around, there's just not a lot of chairs left, so uh, once we get closer to Easter, there will be even less chairs left. So we want to make sure we're going to host three services. Your service times will be 845, 1015, and 1145. Now, the thing that I'm asking you, and I've said this the last few weeks, and I'm going to keep saying it, if you call Vibrant Church home, we understand that our most populated service, the most packed service, is going to be the 1015, okay? So if you call Vibrant Church home, I'm asking you right now to attend the 845 or the 1145, okay? I know it's inconvenient, but we're making room for more of our friends and more of our guests to make sure that they can feel at home and feel comfortable too, right? Okay, so choose the 845, 1145. Let's leave that 1015 for as many guests as possible. Uh, let's fill it up and excited about all that God is doing at Vibrant Church, amen? Amen. Today, we have such an amazing special treat for you. I am so looking forward to today. We have a legend in the faith to preach to you. This, uh, this couple, has, they've been pastors, they've been missionaries, evangelists, author, uh, all of like any possible title, they have done it. It was just like legends, okay? Uh, th this couple has launched over 600 churches. 600 churches. That's incredible, isn't it? It's awesome. They've seen thousands of people come to faith. They've fed the hungry. They've taught them how to, I, I won't tell all the things they've done because they're going to tell you, uh, but we, I, I, I'll, I'll get out of the way so we can preach an amazing word. Uh, can we stand up on our feet for the man of God and let's welcome uh, Pastor Don and Michelle Babin. We love them very much. Love you, Uh, Y'all can be seated. <laughs> wow, after an introduction like that, I feel special. <laughs> but uh, I, have to, I have to make a correction. I have to apologize to Pastor Michael. We were having coffee, and, and he was asking, talking about our ministry. And, and, and I thought, Michael, you said, how many churches have you preached in in the United States? And I said 600. But I do want to meet the guy that has planted 600 churches. <laughs> So I thought about it. I'll just receive that as a prophetic word. <laughs> I'll just receive that. But we've planted like 40 or 50 churches in Africa. And, uh, so, uh, but you know, uh, I'm not all that. I'm just, I'm no different than you guys. Uh, the, you know, maybe the difference is I just met Jesus along the way. But, you know, that's the only thing that makes all of us a legend is, you know, having Jesus with you and in you and upon you. And that makes all the difference. It really does. And I've traveled all over the United States and I don't know, about 30 countries in the world and, and preached. And I just tell people, life is always better with Jesus. I mean, it really is. And, and I know that because I've tried it both ways. <laughs> Have you all tried it both ways? And I've not ever met anybody that, you know, along the way, they gave their life to Jesus and later on said they regretted it. Really, I've never met anybody that said, you know, look, I'm, I'm not sure I wanted to do that. So, uh, and I always tell people if they want to get saved, if you're here and you need to get saved, you, you know, really, you ought to just try Jesus because he's not going to let you down. And I tell people, if you are disappointed, you can just bring him back next Sunday. I've never seen anybody do that. Look, I'm bringing Jesus back. I'm returning him. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, we were going to be leaving for Africa in a couple of weeks. 
But the COVID situation is so bad there that our team in Africa told us not to come. Hospital beds are full. And, and, and the last time that they had the COVID thing, they shut down the borders. And so a lot of our churches and people way out in the bush were just dying of starvation. And so we went into a massive feeding program and we basically fed 21,000 people and kept many of them alive, literally kept them alive. And so when I heard the news about COVID, it was, I want to be in Africa, but I don't want them to have to go through that suffering again. So, you know, pray for them. But I love the series along the way, and uh, that makes all the difference, just meeting Jesus along the way. You can put the first slide up, and this is, these people are our families. That's the Maasai tribe. That's how they dress. If you've ever been to Kenya, Africa, and done a safari or a game drive, uh, the Maasai are the people that will lead the game drive. And they're the ones, if you've, I don't know if you look on YouTube, they're the ones that jump real high and they're, they're real skinny. I think it's because they live in such terrible poverty. But they've become our family. We've been going to, to the Maasai tribe now for 12 years. And when we first went, uh, the poverty is beyond anything you can imagine. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. They live in mud. They live in mud huts. Yeah, I move around a lot, and that messes everybody up. But, uh, you know, they live in mud huts made out of cow dung and mud, dirt floors. They sleep on uh, a cow hide stretched on sticks. Uh, a lot of the children don't have clothes. They maybe eat one time a day. Uh, and because of the poverty and no water, water is just very difficult to get. We have one area we've been working with, they walk two days to get water. And so because you have to walk so far to get water, water is very precious. You don't take a bath with it because you need it to drink. And so we do water wells and water projects and stuff like that to, you know, try to make life easier on them. But uh, I want to read a scripture to you. Uh, I love your tech guys, man. They're, I am not a techie guy at all, you know, because I'm old. <laughs> Did, did y'all do this? If y'all didn't do the scripture, that's okay. You know, I'm used to being in, in the bush in Africa. I preach under trees. I really do. I mean, that's where a lot of our churches begin, under trees. So, you know, when I pastored, we had all the smoke machines and the lights and the laser lights, intelligent lights, and everything had to be done just perfect. You know, like, okay, I'm coming on the stage, bring those lights down, bring these lights up. And, and then I got to Africa, and I realized God really didn't need all that. I really thought he did, but... You know, I think, I think what, you know, we really do that for you, you know, so because, you know, we, we're so ADD, we just lose attention. So that's going to keep you. But the Bible says in John 1, this is when the religious people sent a group to go ask John the Baptist who he was, because, you know, this was a guy that was in line to be a high priest, right? And so, but he didn't look like a high priest. I mean, he wore real clothes and, you know, lived out in the wilderness and so they came in, they said, well, who are you? You know, who are you? Are you a prophet? You know, what are you? And this is what he said. And, and, you know, when I get up in the morning, I'll just kind of meditate on a verse for maybe a month or two. And this is one of those that I just couldn't get off of. But it says in John 1, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And what jumped out at me is it says, he was the voice of one. 
one voice. See, if I was God and I wanted to prepare the way for my son, I would have a thousand voices. You know, I mean, I'd even have some angels and throw in a few choirs. <laughs> but, you know, not God. God says, no, with me, one voice is enough to make a big difference. And John was that one voice. And, you know, it doesn't say it was one action. It didn't say one lifestyle. God's looking for a voice. God's looking for a voice. And it, you don't have to be called to be up here to be that voice. You know, our voice is heard in Africa. Your voice can be where you work, your home, your neighborhood, that type of thing. So we're one voice. And when we went to Africa 12 years ago, you know, we didn't plan that like You've been preaching along the way. We didn't, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't our life mission to live in the bush of Africa. You know, it was more of a vision to live in a penthouse in the woodlands. <laughs> but, you know, God, you know, he'll throw you a curveball if you're faithful to him. And it was like, I, I went through a time of, I just wanted more of God. And I'd preached all over the United States and different places in the world. And we saw people healed and delivered. And I think to date we've seen 138,000 people give their life to Jesus. And, and it's like, but I want more. Do you ever get that way? I mean, do you ever get like, I've just, you know, you just can't get enough of God. And it's like, I got to see more. I, I want to live more. I want to see, you know, I've, I've read Acts, I don't know how many times. It's like, I don't want to read it as a history book. I want to live it today. You know, I want to see Acts happen in my life. And uh, I went through a year of depression because I said, God, if this is it, and we had seen a lot. I mean, the church I pastored, we, we baptized 300 people a month. But it was like, it wasn't enough. And, and I went through a time of just, God, if this is it, just take me home. You know, I mean... Because I'm desperate for more of you. I have to have more of you. I can't handle what I've seen up to this point in my life. And, and I was in Austin, Texas, and I made the comment, I just want to go where people are hungry for Jesus. I want to speak to people that are just hungry for God. And uh, we were in this church in Austin, and there was a couple there from Kenya, and they invited us to their house for a Kenyan meal, and and she said, did you mean that, that you will go anywhere if you could find people hungry for Jesus? I said, no, I was lying, but it sounded good. No, no, no I'm sorry. I don't know why people said, did you mean that? No, I made it up. I used to give my testimony and people would say, did you really do all that? Nah, but it made a good story. No. This lady said, you need to go to Africa, to Kenya, to this very remote tribe. And when I say remote, I mean, we go, we drive hours, no road, <laughs> not off-road, no road, to get to a village in the middle of nowhere. I mean, all of a sudden, you're just driving across a field in the bush, and then all of a sudden, here's this village of these mud huts. And she said, if you'll go there, she was really being prophetic, you're going to find what you're looking for. So we sold everything we had and packed up and moved to Africa and uh, had an RV here to live in. And uh, so we get there and I'd never met anybody. I've never been there. So it was really a step of faith. 
We just had one contact, and I'd never met him. And so he picked us up, and we got in the car, and we drive. And he's dressed like those people in that, in that picture. And we're driving out in the middle of nowhere, then we get off the road, and then we drive off the road for hours, and then there's no road, and dead cows are everywhere because they were in a five-year drought. And so that's how they survive is through cattle and sheep. And you could see carcasses everywhere. And there was a very heavy spirit of oppression and depression. And uh, we keep driving and driving. And I asked my translator, I said, are we almost there? Like a little kid. <laughs> are we almost there? And he turns around and says, almost there. I said, well, that's good. So an hour later... I say, uh, are we close? And he turns around and says, are we close? So I realized that my translator didn't really speak much English. <laughs> so I thought this is going to really be a, a very unusual trip. And you're, you know, you're going through culture shock because you're in the middle of nowhere and dead animals and people dress different, talking different, and you don't know where you are. You're in Africa somewhere in the middle of nowhere with your precious wife. And I'm thinking, we're either going to eat lunch or be lunch. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm thinking, you know, this is it, God. I mean, this is the end of it. I didn't plan on dying in Africa. And we get to this little village, and they could not believe that there was a white guy in their village. One man walked three hours one way to meet a white guy. And uh, he got saved and healed our first trip. And so we're in this little tiny place. We're living for 30 days in the middle of the bush. And our bed was maybe this wide, a mosquito net over us, tiny little room, hot like you wouldn't believe, roaches and bugs falling on our mosquito net. And I'm laying there and we're trying to sleep and, and I'm going, okay, God, we're here. Now, what do you want me to do tomorrow? That's kind of how I roll, you know. It's like tomorrow's day, we're gonna have an outdoor meeting in this village and I'm supposed to speak. So here it is at night and I'm saying, so how about giving me a message? And, and I don't even know if my translator can translate it. But God, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, and I didn't read a book how to do this. You know, we just obeyed. And so God spoke to me, and he said, tell them that the drought is over. And so I laid there, and I said, so now, God, what do you want me to say tomorrow? <laughs> just, just, just how I am. And, you know, I don't think God repeats himself. I think we just hear the echo. And so uh, I kept hearing the echo. Tell them that the drought is over. And, and I didn't want to tell them. <laughs> Neither would you. Because <laughs> you're thinking, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. I'm, we've sold everything. I'm starting a ministry to these people. If I tell them the drought's over and it's not, we're going to have a very short-term African ministry. So I argued with God. I hope you've done Have you ever done that? I'm just being real. I'm like, God, I'm not going to do it. Look, I'm all the way here in Africa. You know, talk to my wife about doing it. <laughs> and I'm just trying to find a way out of it. And really, I didn't sleep at all. And finally, I told God, I'm, I just can't do it. Because what if it's not you? We've all had that. What if it's just me? And so I thought, well... God, I'm not going to do it. And you know what God said? This is really going to blow you. He said, okay. I said, well, good. And so <laughs> that's settled. Just leave me alone and I'll go to sleep. 
So I didn't sleep. The next day we're at this outdoor meeting, and man, the anointing of God comes on my life, and I got my translator there. And I said, I want you to know the drought is over. And I went, oh, shut up. <laughs> well, my translator is re saying it, and they start whistling and screaming and dancing. All these people are dancing in the streets like the, it was a five-year drought in the Rift Valley. I mean, people were dying. And I just said, the drought's over. And I'm going, oh, God. What have I done? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm thinking. You know, I'd love to stand up here and say, so, you know, by faith I said it, but I didn't. <laughs> so we begin to travel, and I promise you, they still talk about this. Every day we would go to a different village, and when we would arrive, a cloud would come over the mountain, and it started raining in every village that we went to. <laughs> and they have these little cell phones out in the middle of nowhere. And, and they begin to call one another and say, we have a white prophet here. And, and if you'll bring him to your village, it'll rain. And so we had all of these invitations. It's a very hard tribe to get into because uh, they went through a lot of abuse from the British when they colonized them. So, but they immediately just embraced us and took us in. And that was the open door for us to get into the Maasai tribe. Was the, as a matter of fact, it flooded in the Rift Valley. It, was the, it flooded so much it was washing their mud huts away. And they came up to me and they said, we're flooding. And I said, look, I didn't start this. <laughs> you know, I didn't turn it on and I can't turn it off. So, <laughs> you know, you're going to talk to somebody else, but... But anyway, we just became one voice to this tribe. And then our vision has been total tribal transformation. Because yes, we want to see them get saved, but we also want them to have a better lifestyle, to not live in poverty, for their children to go to school, to have water, clothes, food, the basic things. And so I discovered the solution to poverty in the Bible. Is that cool or what? It's so simple. And, and, you know, I've read it a lot, but I didn't really believe it because Jesus said, if you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, all of these things I will add to you. And I thought, do you suppose he meant that? <laughs> I mean, if he did... If I could get these people in the remote bush to seek his kingdom first, poverty would end. And so I began to preach a kingdom message everywhere we went. And at that time, 12 years ago, there was unbelievable poverty, no gardens, no income, nothing. And today, 12 years later, there are gardens everywhere, chicken projects everywhere, water wells, and they're even starting their own businesses. Not because of us, but they started seeking the kingdom first. It really works. I thought about writing a book, a book how to become successful, and just it'd be one page, Matthew 6.33. Anyway, next slide. Let me run through these real quick just to give you a picture of what God's doing in Africa. This is a typical village. Those are their mud huts that they live in. You notice their clothes are just always nasty, dirty because water's difficult to come by and they don't get to take baths. And 
but this is a typical village. Next slide. Uh, hunger has been unbelievable. And uh, this was doing the COVID thing. And we just began to send, see they shut down the border. So way out in the bush, they have to bring trucks to cross the county lines. Well, when the government said, no, you can't do that, those villages couldn't get food. And they were starving to death. So the government didn't think about people in their remote areas. And they begin to call me. And of course, we planted the churches. And, you know, and that's the thing. When you plant a church, you have to plant a pastor. And that's the hard part. I mean, I can build buildings, but to find someone that has a heart to be a pastor is another thing. And so these pastors begin to call me and they said, we're starving. One lady said, it's hard for me to sleep because I have to hear my children crying from hunger every night. Well, we hadn't been able to go to Kenya. We hadn't been able to travel to churches and that's how we raise money. And so I'm like, God, I've got to feed them, but you know, we don't have an income because we're not traveling. And I thought, so how are we going to do this? And you know, it's the way God works. God's economy is so different than us. See, God says, you do it first and I'll bless you after you do it. And so I said, well, we're going to feed them. I, you know, I have a MasterCard. <laughs> MasterCard will get a lot of glory in heaven. <laughs> And so we'll just charge it, you know, because I'm not going to let them go hungry. And so I called my, I have an administrator over there, a right-hand man. And I called him, his name is Timo. His name is Timothy, but I call him Timo. And uh, I said, look, Timo, find a way to get food to them. Use our truck, load it up with food. And so we started getting bigger trucks and taking food to them. And we had to feed them for like 20 days at a time. And then we had to let the truck go at night because pirates and thieves would see the truck of food and they would attack you and rob you. And we had to go at night to distribute the food. They would call each other to come because they would get robbed. And so it just, I mean, this kind of thing just was unbelievable. It was everywhere. And I was their only answer. And it was like, you know, God, we got to do this. So we'd buy a bunch of food and you know what would happen? You already know, money would come in the mail. And then I'd go, oh, good. Yeah, we got a little bit of money in the bank. And God would say, no, I didn't put it in the bank so that you could say that's good. I put it there so you could spend it. And so we'd order another truckload and then more money would come and we'd spend it. And it's just like the woman with the well, the more we poured, the more he poured in to the point that we could feed 21,000 people, keep them alive. So that's just how God works. I mean, next slide. Uh, this, this, uh, pause it there. and I want you to hear the story of this guy. Uh, this guy, his name is Pastor Innocent. He's, uh, he's from the Congo. And I'm like this with him. He has become a super good friend of mine. And uh, they had to leave the Congo because they found jewels and rubies and stuff on the ground and people came in, a militia, and was just slaughtering their families with machetes. He's watched his family, you know, his brothers and sisters and stuff hacked to pieces with machetes. They've watched their kids murdered. They, I mean, they've watched their wives get murdered. Can you imagine this? They've watched it, stood there and watched it. Well, when I met him, I just fell in love with him. It's like, God, I'm going to do something because they're refugees and, and they ended up getting a church and I go there all the time, but they smile. After all of what they've been through, 
refugees. And they got this big smile and this loving heart. And I just had to ask them, you know, because I'm coming from an American frame of reference. You know what I'm saying? Like sit in my chair and I'm offended. (laughs) And so I go, you know, you guys are, you're smiling and you're so full of joy and yet you've seen this brutal acts of this militia. How do you do it? And he smiled at me and he said, oh, 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 that's easy. See, we forgive them. Well, and I think of some of the petty things that we have unforgiveness about. Wow, God help us, huh? And so this guy connected with them and they were just, they have a bunch of widow women in their church because their husbands were murdered in, in uh, the Congo and we kept them alive. Literally, we kept a thousand people from dying of starvation. And uh, we, we fed them, I think, six times. Then I found out, because he'd never tell me that they were going to get kicked out of their little tiny apartment because uh, he didn't have money because he couldn't work. And so we paid their rent and kept them in their apartment and gave them spending money. And he would make these little videos with his phone to thank us, and this is one of those videos. And we love your love to us. Now, as Pastor Innocent, I stand here to thank you. As you know, um, I was a teacher. I used to teach French somewhere in a private school. But now, we were wondering what will we do? We are requesting or seeking help for our people, even us. So normally we used to keep quiet and say, let us see what God will do. And we are surprised to see Don and Michelle through the people who support you. You sent us rent, even money, extra money to buy some food. Thank you very much. What can we say? So we have seen, truly speaking, when we care for God's people, even God will care for you. Thank you to remember us. Thank you to care for us so that we can at least be able to pay this rent. Uh, it is very shameful to see a pastor being thrown out because of lacking of the, the lack of a rent. But now we are stable. We are happy because we are going to pay the, 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 the rent. May God bless you. May God bless you. Even if you feel encouraged to go on and supporting or assisting preaching. Amen. That's good. You can, you can turn it on. Thank you. So, you know, these are just people that they're our family. I mean, they really are our family. And we love them like family. As a matter of fact, they call us mom and dad. And uh, I mean, we've given our life to this tribe. And now that transformation is helping with the Masa, several other tribes have invited us in to see if transformation would happen to their tribe. So now we work with the Masa, the Samburu, the Pokot, the Turkana, uh, several Dorobo tribes. All of these tribes are coming to us saying, please help us. We want the transformation that we see in the Maasai tribe. You know, the, we see miracles all the time. And at one point, that was really mind-blowing to me, but we've been there for 12 years, so a miracle is like just a miracle. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, we count salvations because the Bible counted those, right? There was about 3,000. But they never said, you know, 9,000 got healed. So we quit counting the healings. And uh, like right before COVID, we saw 4,067 get saved that year. So we count those. But, but you know, the miracles are just, they're not us. You know, God can use you if someone needs a miracle here today. 
I mean, really. And people say, yeah, but I've messed up. He can still use you. You know, God can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick. <laughs> so my, our first miracle over there, I was preparing. I was sitting. We were under a tree, and there was about 300 my sign. I'm sitting there, and I had my little notebook there, and I'm saying, okay, God, like, what do you want me to say to these people? And uh, God, I hear this voice that says, I healed them all. I said, yeah, you did, Jesus. That's awesome. You really... Amen. I'm so glad you healed them all. But then I hear the echo. I healed them all. I healed them all. I healed them all. And I'm going, I know what you're saying, God, but you know. And, and I, he's like, I want, you, I, want, I want to heal all of them, so tell them. And I'm like, but what if you don't? <laughs> come on. I mean, come on. Y'all are like me, aren't you? It's like, yeah, I mean, what if 10 don't get healed? And that's the ones that give a testimony. So I'm thinking, so God keeps saying, I healed them all, I healed them all, I healed them all. And I'm, and I'm really sitting there trying to get ready to preach. And it's like, you know, God, you're going to have to give me a break. I'm trying to go over some notes here. <laughs> you know, I'm really doing this for you. And God is like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm telling you what to do. And so I got up and I said, look, Jesus healed them all. So if you're sick, I want you to stand up and come to the front. Well, they live in poverty. So, you know, 90% of them are sick. So out of 300 people or 250, almost all of them came to the front and stand there. And I'm like, wow. You know, I know how to do this in the U.S., but, you know, how do you lay hands on 250 people, you know, and get home by the next day? And so I go to the first one, and I, and I have my translator, and I said, so what's wrong with you? I'm getting ready, you know. I don't even feel spiritual. I feel hot. I feel dirty, hungry. You know, I don't feel like Jesus at all, but I'm doing what he told me to do, okay? And I'm like, so what's wrong? And she goes, I'm blind. <laughs> I'm going, oh, Jesus, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, I mean, we should start with like a cold. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, you know, like my shoulder's sore, but... But God, the first one is blind. I mean, I'm talking, I mean, like she can't see nothing. And I'm standing in front of her, and I just told him he's going to heal you all. And I go, we're going to fail the first time. And I'm looking at this lady, and, and I, really, I really wanted to say, okay, you wait here. I'm going to go pray for some other people. I'm going to get warmed up, but I'm going to come back to you. you know? I, I got to start feeling the anointing. You know? I mean, when you said I'm blind, I lost all the anointing. And so I thought, well, I got to pray for I wanted to tell my translator, you take that one, okay? <laughs> so I prayed for her, and she screams. I mean, I mean loud. She screams, and she's saying something in the Maasai language. And, and I asked my translator, what's she saying? And he said, she's saying, I can see, I can see, I can see, I can see. And when she said that, everybody there was healed instantly. It's a true story. And, you know, after everybody got healed, I'm going, yeah, God, me and you. Man, we did good on that one, didn't we? <laughs> you know, he understands me and loves me anyway. <laughs> and, you know, we had, I don't know where you all are about this, but I'm just a true story. Uh, the first night, they had a little, a little light hanging in a tree and about 300 people. And at our church, we saw 
you know, people fall out and heal, deliver all that stuff. We were in like an eight-week revival every night. And people were laying around everywhere. And I was concerned as a pastor because, you know, what if they had a heart attack and we just thought they were out? <laughs> you know, everybody leaves and the next day that guy's still laying there. <laughs> so, you know, as a pastor, it's like, you know, this, you know, falling over under the power of God, you know, we should just have a chair behind them and just seat them. It's so much more orderly, like, you know, boom, and the power of God hits them, and you sit them in a chair. <laughs> that way, if they have a heart attack, they can't blame the pastor. <laughs> you know, they just died sitting there. <laughs> so when we're out in the bush, there was these, a bunch of people under this tree, and the pastor said, look, these people are sick, and they have demons, and would you pray for them? So I went over to this crowd. Now, I've always, in the back of my mind, I've always wondered about the falling out thing. I'm just being honest. I've always thought, you know, is that emotion? Is it really God? I'm just being honest about it. And I do believe it happens. Well, I really believe it now because I walked over to a crowd and I just said, now you got to understand, they don't have TBN. <laughs> you know, these people are out in the middle. They don't know nothing about God, Jesus. They know nothing. nothing. So I walk over there and I just reach my hands out and I said, in Jesus' name. And about 80 of them go, Phew. I'm like, now what? <laughs> I really fly by the seat of my pants over there. It's like, okay, God, now what? Well, I found out later that many of them got up saved, healed, set free. They began to testify until the people we were working with what happened to them. It's just how God works. I mean, we just see so many healings, broken bones, and now we just... We just kind of go through the day along the way, and we just see healings, 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 healings. You know, we really celebrate the salvations, but we just see so much healing and deliverance. It's just, it's just part of life when you're when you're connected with Jesus. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, God's excited about it, but you got to understand that's just the way of His kingdom. You know, I mean, it blows our mind because it's not our kingdom way. But for him, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we're like over there. And, but after 12 years, you know, we see people healed, delivered, broken bones and blind eyes and all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, they get healed right in front of you. I've seen broken bones straighten up in front of my eyes. I'm not talking because of a TV camera. <laughs> I mean, I was preaching one time and this lady, old, old woman, she, she was dying. And she was walking. She had never been to a clinic. She was walking to a clinic. It was going to take her hours to get there. And as she was walking, she didn't even know Jesus. And as she's walking, she hears a voice that says, go to this village. There's a white man there. You'll be healed. She didn't even know God. And so I'm preaching. And this woman just, this was so funny. This woman just walks up. And I'm preaching. And she just... And, you know, my first thought is the invitation comes later. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm thinking, what am I going to do? This lady standing there. I'm telling you, in the bush, you have to hear God about everything. I mean, everything. So I ask her, and she says, I'm dying. I need to be healed. And a voice told me to come here, that you'd pray for me, and I'd be healed. So I prayed for her. She got saved. And then when I was done, and she was healed. She just takes off and walks home. I'm like... We're having church. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I got what I came for. See you later. So, you know, you just leave it to God. Next slide. <laughs> Funny things in the bush. <laughs> These are the warriors. 
They're called Moran warriors. At age 17, they get circumcised. If they show any fear, flinch a tear, the entire tribe calls them, uh, uh, I can't think of the word, but you're pretty much a baby. You're a loser. So they, they take coals of fire on a stick and lay it on their leg and sit there and let that burn on their leg. They have scars on their legs to get used to pain so that when they have that ceremony, they don't flinch or cry and be called a coward. After they, they're circumcised, they take their spears. They have spears. They have poisonous arrows. They have poison they put on the end of their arrows. They go out and kill a lion with their spears to prove their manhood. Now, the Maasai will tell you that the lions fear them, and I've seen it. They really do, don't they, Michelle? I mean, the Drobo tribe, they don't hunt for food. They don't raise food. They will go up to five or six lions eating a kill. I've got videos of this, and they just walk right up to the lions, and the lions peel off. They cut a piece of the meat off, throw it on their shoulders, and walk off. That's, I can show you the videos. So they're called Moran warriors. I love them. And so they're getting saved here. And the, the next slide. Uh, okay, back it up to the warriors. The, uh, we were at a church. When the warriors get saved, they get very angry because the warriors cut their hair and, and they renounce a lot of demonic stuff that happens with them. And they started getting saved and cutting their hair and the warriors started getting mad at Michelle and I. We didn't know this. They didn't tell us. And one night we're showing the Jesus film on the side of our truck and there was about 250 people sitting on the ground watching the Jesus film in the Maasai language. And, and we brought one of the Morans out that had shaved his head. And there was a bunch of, like about 30 of these guys following me everywhere I went all day from a distance just watching me. And they'd stand there and look at me and I'd go over here and they'd watch me. And I'm thinking, man, this is awesome because they're going to all get saved. You know, that's why they're watching me. They want to get saved. You know, I wasn't thinking anything else. And that night, they had a little camp away from where we were showing the Jesus film on the side of our truck. <clears throat> and that night, when that guy came out and showed his head was shaved, all of a sudden, 250 of those people jumped up and ran. I mean, literally ran past me in the truck. And I'm standing there. And there, everybody's gone. So I'm thinking there must be a lion or an elephant somewhere around and they'll take care of it. So I'll just wait till they come back. So I just stood there waiting for them to take care of whatever the problem was. And all of a sudden, about 20 minutes later, they all came back and sat down. A bunch of them got saved and healed. And we get in our truck and we leave. We go back four or five months later. And that group, about 30 of them, said, we need to talk to you. So we went over there with a translator and they have a leader of this gang of warriors and he said that night we came to get you and mom they were basically going to kill us and uh we had no idea and they said so we charged the camp to come get you and michelle and when we did something knocked every one of us on the ground with our face to the dirt and they said we could not get up we kept trying to push ourselves up and they never cry. And the leader started crying and he said, I need to know the God of that white man. All 30 of them got saved. One of them's gone to Bible school and is now a pastor in a church. <clears throat> so isn't that just God? Next slide. This, uh, this is a witch doctor friend of mine. There's an area of the Maasai that's 
It's the hotbed of witch doctors. So there's like 300 witch doctors that live there. Very demonic, very demonic. And they do have, there are powers that they, that they do. And so I told my, my leadership team, I'm going to go to the hotbed of the witch doctors. And my leader said, no, no, it's very dangerous, Dad. You, you can't go to this area. I said, oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I have a truck. I have you, my translator. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go. And he said, but why? I said, because the Bible says light shines in the darkness. Light doesn't shine in the light. Light only shines in the darkness. And that's a dark place. So I'm going to go shine. And then they told me, they said, but... It's, it's been told that the witch doctors, when a missionary comes, they'll put poison in their tea. They drink a lot of hot tea because they learned this from Britain. And they'll put poison in the tea. And if it doesn't kill you, they'll listen to you. I said, good, let's get packed. Let's go drink tea. Right? I mean, the Bible says, right? You, you can tread on serpents. And I know we just think that's just there for them. But, you know, drink deadly things. You believe that, don't you? Okay. Well, I did too. So I said, let's go. So we get there. This is the first witch doctor. And he comes out and, uh, and I hug him. And they don't hug. I mean, they're very stoic. So I go up to him and I put my arms around him and I speak to him in the Maasai language, Kandara Olin, Ochelelai, I love you, my friend. And, uh, and he looks at me like, what is this white guy doing? <laughs> and so I said, well, let's sit down. Let's have some tea. <laughs> And so he brings tea, and I said, you know, I'm going to convince this guy to get saved, so I'm going to drink like four or five cups, you know, to make sure he gets saved. So I'm drinking tea, and it didn't kill me. And, and the other, the, my team, my team, they didn't drink tea. You know, they're like, no, no, thank you. They like, oh, come on, it's wonderful tea. <laughs> he gets saved the first night we're there. Then he brings seven other witch doctors. They all get saved. The next day, he says, I want to take you to the chief witch doctor of all of Loita Hills. I want you to meet him. The chief witch doctor gave his life to Jesus. So you know what we did? We built a church for the witch doctors. <laughs> yeah, we planted. And so we have a church here full of witch doctors, and we have a pastor there. And I bought him a knife, and I gave him that knife. And I love him, but I still had my eyes on the knife. You know, I thought maybe there was a little leftover something in him. You know, so I'm watching the knife. <laughs> you can go to the next one. <laughs> so this is the little kids run from us because they've never seen white people, and uh, and you can he's looking at me like I was looking at the witch doctor, but <clears throat> they're scared to death of us. They really are. But uh, they started naming their children Don Babin, and the girls Michelle Babin. And I said, why would you do that? Because their names are so different. And they said, because we never want to forget what you've done for our tribe. And when you're dead and gone and we look at our children, we'll always remember your legacy among our people. So, I mean, that's just God. Next slide. This is a little tiny chip. You know, they can't read. They're 95% illiterate. And so they can't read the Bible. So the only way they can hear the Bible is go to church and they have to walk three hours to go to church one way. And so I found the Maasai New Testament. I recorded it. And then I'm like, God, what? I, I could play it on my laptop. But I told God, you know, we, we can't afford to buy all of the Maasai laptop. And so God led me to record it on a micro SD card. They fit into their cell phones and they can hear the New Testament in their language. They cry when you give it to them. 
they cry. And, and all of a sudden, the Bible began to make sense to me because, you know, in the New Testament, 95% of the people were illiterate. And that's why the Bible says faith comes by not by reading because they couldn't read. And so every time I give one of those away, I'm giving away faith. Every time I give, and we've given thousands of them away. Next slide. So we started doing chicken projects. You know, they live in mud huts. And so we built this chicken project and the guy, the, the Maasai guy sees this, this and he goes, oh, I'm moving chicken house. I said, no, 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 no. This is for the chickens. He goes, chickens can have my house. This house is better than my house. I'm going, oh God, what have we done? You know, I mean, we've really messed up here. So, I mean, he was really serious. He wanted to move into the chicken house. But now they're raising chickens. They're creating an economy. Their kids are going to school. So, next slide. Motorcycle we bought for a guy. Now, go ahead. And you tell me. He doesn't know we're buying this, okay? So, you tell me when he realizes it's his motorcycle. See if you can tell So we buy them motorcycles because, you know, we, we get them as pastors and they have to travel sometimes three and four hours one way. And so we get them a motorcycle so that they can go to church and they can go and do outreach in the area. So not all of them, they have to be really faithful before they get a motorcycle. Next slide. <laughs> this is some of the gardens. This is in the middle of a desert. And uh, they now have five acres. And uh, we built them a little church. They outgrew it. We're doing a huge expansion on their church. Uh, the pastor is a lady, which is totally anti-Masai culture. I mean, the women are slaves. They're nothing. They have no value, much like the New Testament days. And so when we put a woman in there as a pastor, all of the Masai in the area just had a fit. I mean, they were just mad at us. So we had a big meeting when I ordained her, and all the leaders, the pastors in the area came. And I just taught on women in the church and their position. And I used nothing but scripture. So I said, so if you have a problem with this, meet with me after and we can choose whether y'all want to disobey God or do what the word says. Amen. And so at the end of it, after we used enough scripture, they all came up to me and they said, we were so wrong, we're so wrong, we're so sorry. We will now include these women in our groups. So transformation, amen. So this is gardens, another one. Next slide. More gardens. I mean, they're everywhere now. So next slide. This is, uh, see if you can pick which one is my wife. No. <laughs> So they love to dress as, as Maasai. As a matter of fact, one time they dressed me up like a warrior. I had all the warrior clothes on, and then they told me to preach. It's like, are you kidding? You want to preach and all this? So, but they love it. They give us beads all the time because they have nothing to give us. So they give us these beads like this belt. They make these kind of belts. and I mean, we have bags and bags of the jewelry that they make, and they just love it when we wear their clothing. Next slide. Little dresses we give. The girls have never had anything new. Most of their clothes and the seams are coming apart. They're filthy, dirty, falling off their body. And we take them, and you can look at their face. They're blown away that they got brand new dresses. We give away tennis shoes. And so we give them, and they've, most of them have never had shoes. 
and, and you put those, and then of course from the United States, we took shoes that light up. Oh my God, was that ever a nightmare. They'd put those shoes on and they'd be going, you know, they couldn't walk. You know, it's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's like, no, look, look. You know, so, no, I thought that was hilarious. Next slide. So we show the Jesus film at night and we've seen thousands and thousands. Now we have bought other Jesus film packets, totally solar, so you can go to the end of the earth and play the Jesus film. And so we've bought other packets and we've given it to our leaders. So we have leaders that are seeing 500 people saved a month, 600 people saved a month. So we're multiplying what we do in other people so that it can continue to multiply. And so the next, I wanna show you this a movie. Uh, when I pastored, our worship leader wrote this song. He also wrote, Let the Worshipers Arise. And he also wrote, Let It Rain. And he now lives in Nashville. He abandoned us. <laughs> but he wrote this song for me because this is really our heart. This is really what we want to see. And, and if you're here and you're not saved, and you're not, you can be saved and healed today. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you don't have to say, you know, I better wait till I get ready. You'll never be ready. The devil will make sure of that, you know. Just get her done. <laughs> you know, really. So this next slide is really what we're all about. So we'll play that. Thank you, famous. Lift my voice and sing. To make you famous, I do anything. To make you famous, it is my sacrifice. To make you famous, I'm laying down my life. To make you famous, I lift my voice and sing. To make you famous, I do everything. To make you famous, it is my sacrifice.
So before we go, you know, Jesus heals here just like he does in Africa. So if you're here and, and you're sick, something's wrong. Let me see, raise your hand, would you? Unless you want to go home sick. I mean, okay, okay, okay. Anybody else? Don't be afraid. Be afraid of being sick. Don't be afraid of being healed. Okay, I want you to stand if you don't mind. I'm going to pray for you and God's going to heal you. God, for all of those that have pain or hurting somewhere, just like you heal in the bush of Africa, I thank you for touching them right now. That whatever's wrong, God, you're making it right. And I thank you for that. Those of you that had something wrong, if it was a foot, an ankle, an arm, I want you to move it and do something you couldn't do before. Just in faith, I want you to start moving whatever it is. Because you need to know that you're healed by testing him. So go ahead, if it's your foot, an arm, a shoulder, I want you to do, touch something that you couldn't touch before so that you can know that he healed you. You sent something maybe happening in your body. Some people feel heat. Some people just, the pain is gone. If that's you and you know that God's done something in your body, just real quick slip up your hand. Let me see, I'm not gonna have you give a testimony. Something's changed in your body, okay? Anybody else, real quick? He's touched you. I've had people send emails to me, and I've had people send emails on the way home. They said they got healed, and they'd send me an email saying, hey, on the way home, I got my healing, so that's awesome. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, listen, you want, you want Jesus with you in this life. You can't make it in this life without him. So if you're here and you need Jesus, listen, I'm not talking church, religion. I'm talking having Jesus. So I want you right now, if that's you, I just want you to say this prayer from your heart. Picture Jesus in your mind, because that's who you're talking to. I want you to say, hey, Jesus, I need you. I really need you, Jesus. And I'm telling you this morning that I need you. And I'm asking you right now to take away all my sin. I want you to cleanse me, and I want you to come into my life right now. I surrender my life to you. I want to belong to you, Jesus, from this day on. And I want to thank you for saving me today. If that's you and you whispered that prayer, nobody's looking, just slip your hand up real quick and put it right back down. And if you did, the pastor's going to tell you how you can get connected. So the pastor might do that. Right now, I feel God doing something amazing in this house. I wish to across the room and we just lift our hands. And let's just, I want us to pray for the ministry that's going on in this church, but also pray for the ministry that's going on in the eastern part of Africa right now. Pray for those people right now. Let's lift up a voice, a shout of praise, and, and let's just pray that God would begin to send revival, not only here, but there. That he sends a revival that would shake a nation. Come on, let's pray that out, church. Let's do that.
today, if you either were healed or if you turned your life over to Jesus, I want to hear about it. You can let us know. If you turned your life over to Jesus and you're like, what is, what's my next step? We have a little book in the foyer called Following Jesus. It's free. I want you to grab one. I want you to take it to a little devotional, and it'll help you in your next steps. Did anybody enjoy Pastor Don speaking to us today? Anybody enjoy that? So much wisdom, so much anointing. I want to tell you, we're going to dismiss in just a second. I want to tell you, because of your generosity, 10% of everything that comes into this building goes out to missions. 10% of everything that comes into this church goes out to missions. Because of your generosity, we're able to sow into their ministry. We're sowing $1,500 into their ministry today so we can impact people across the world. This church plant is helping other church plants because of your giving. Thank you so much for being generous and, and, and investing not only here, but across the world. I wanna pray, I wanna pray a prayer blessing over you and your family. Let's do that together. Lord Jesus, I love you. I'm so thankful for what you're doing in this church and beyond. I pray great favor. I pray blessing. I pray protection in the name of Jesus as in their comings and their goings and the highways and the byways. Bless them. Let them be encouraged and filled with joy that only comes from you. In the name of Jesus, live it out. Next, step one is right after service today. We'll see you in next. Be blessed. We'll see you next week.